Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Navarro Wright. How's everybody doing? So, so there's many times in my life when I have these moments when I can decide whether the glass is half full or the glass is half empty. So I don't know if you guys are here because you really wanted to hear me talk or you wanted to get a good seat to hear the guy who invented Netscape. So I'm going to go with the first one. So, so I appreciate your time. So, you know, I am a student, I am a fan of the lean startup movement. I've incorporated it in products. I've incorporated it with clients. I've really started to understand how it can transform your products into better products. But really what I started to realize in my life is that those same principles can affect socioeconomic change, right? And what we're going to talk about today is a project that's been kind of a passion project of mine, focusing on using those principles to close the digital divide. So a little bit about me. So I've been involved in technology for about 22 years now. I've held CTO positions at BET, at Radio One. I started a company called GlobalGrind.com with Russell Simmons. We raised money from Excel. So I've been involved in large enterprises, started my own companies, been in the valley, uh, pretty much anything you can think of in the technology landscape. So I know at this point what some of you are thinking. How rare is this? An African-American male who's been in the tech scene for 20 years, who's raised money in Silicon Valley, and is here to talk about it. You're like, I wish I would have charged my camera phone so I could put this on Instagram. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you we do exist. And I think you guys are lucky enough that you've been at this conference and you've seen that I'm not the only one. You've seen Black Girls Code, you've seen the Fat Startup, you've seen examples of people, not only in this space, but using their unique cultural backgrounds to attack unique problems. And what I want to talk about today is how I'm attacking this problem. So let's level set. We're all lean entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs, so we know that technology is moving faster than ever, right? We know that before 1998, there was no Google, we know that before 2004, we never poked anybody. You know, before 2006, we didn't use phrases like OMG, JK, LOL. They didn't exist. You know, before 2007, we played words by ourselves because we couldn't play words with friends, right? We knew that these things have been transformative. You know, you look at Square, you look at the iPhone, and most importantly, Instagram. But if you look at the, the second half of this chart, you see the time span in which a company went from idea to cultural impact has gotten shorter and shorter. I mean, Instagram, literally a year and a half before it became a billion-dollar business, we're seeing companies now shrink that. So we all recognize the opportunities, the reason why we spend money to come to conferences like this, so we can accelerate that process even faster, so we can take advantage of all of this opportunity. But here in that lies a challenge. There is a large demographic that is absent from this opportunity. Some of the key stats, less than 1% of African-Americans start internet companies. African-Americans and Hispanics are overall less digitally literate than the rest of the world. The key areas where they're lacking are in education, career growth, entrepreneurship, and just general quality of life. I like to say sometimes, as long as I have my mobile phone, I'm like MacGyver. 
there's not a problem I can't solve. I want to go to the movies and make sure I get a seat, I can get that. We take a lot of those things for granted, but we don't realize that there's a large demographic that doesn't have access to those tools and functions that we have in our daily lives. And the last point, which is huge, is that digital literacy is key to almost any job you have today. Let's face facts. Those underrepresented audiences are losing. And really, the reality of it is, is that we're all losing. The census says that by the year 2040, people of color will be no longer a minority. So think about if 90% of those people in those audiences are digitally illiterate, that affects all of us. When you counteract that to the hard challenge you have of finding qualified technical talent to fill the jobs and the companies you're creating to innovate, we're all losing this challenge. So when I set out to, to solve this problem, the first thing I had to do was come up with a hypothesis. And my hypothesis was simple. I actually believe that today there are enough services, resources, people, and technology to solve the digital divide. I don't think we need to create another service, another product, another nonprofit to solve this problem. So when I thought about that, I looked at this current landscape to kind of solidify this hypothesis, right? If you look at my chart with digital literacy being on one side and the opportunity for success being on, one, on the other side, you look at the Y combinators and the tech stars at that far end. You need high digital literacy. They're looking for the best of the best in entrepreneurs, and there's high likelihood of success. You're, you're almost guaranteed money. You're almost guaranteed being in front of the best investors. And if you look across the landscape, what you've seen are new organizations that are trying to attack and bring more people into this ecosystem at different levels. Code 2040, which is hugely successful in the Valley, bringing high-performing minority engineers into the technology space, giving them first-hand experience in the startup world to make them become entrepreneurs themselves or to prime them for jobs in the startup space. The new me accelerator, bringing entrepreneurs into the valley so they understand what it takes to be successful. The fast startup, Black Girls Code, which you've heard. The one that people don't talk about, I think, is Khan Academy, that connects people in more ways, that has the opportunity to educate more of us than anything else to bring us into this digital age. So when I looked at that, and you think about my hypothesis, I said, okay, where do I need to fit to solve the problem? Well, the one thing I saw was that no one was asking and solving the hard question. Right? We're all lean entrepreneurs. We spend our days asking the hard question. And the hard question is, how do you go and increase pipeline where there is none? How do you go to people who aren't digitally literate, who have little to no opportunity for success, and how do you create a spark to bring them into that ecosystem? Well, once I had that hypothesis, I wanted to build an MVP. And luckily in this process, the MVP was actually me. I was in a documentary about two and a half years ago, and after I was in that documentary, I received hundreds of, of calls to speak. I would get paid speaking engagements, and I would get calls from people saying, hey, our group really needs to hear from you. We can't pay your train fare, but we want to bring you. So I started to take those calls, but I took them with an analytical edge. I said, look, I'm going to go into these environments and really start to understand what it's going to take to bridge that gap. Why aren't people seeing? Everyone 
you know, sees the iPad ads, everyone sees technology, why is there a core demographic that's not causing, causing that chasm? So I started doing that. I traveled the country speaking. But I did it with a goal in mind. I'd go into different audiences and want to get specific information. I'd make them do surveys before I started the speech and make them do different surveys at the end of the speech. I'd choose different type of groups specifically based on the feedback that I received from those first speeches, really trying to get down to the core of what the challenges I needed to solve. I was able to instantly engage with the audience, and it allowed me to gather key data and information on what was needed. I interviewed them. I would hear things like, I never thought of technology as adding value to my life. I never thought of technology being something that I could be involved in. So it started me down the path. I would continue to refine my message. I would go on one group and give one version of the message, and I would go into another group and give another version, and I would test what the results would be. What would the reactions be from those different crowds, groups, and how I formed this? And I would kind of ask myself, did light bulb moments occur? And what a light bulb moment is, is when someone comes up and says, hey, I never thought that what I was doing or what I did in my everyday life mapped to a career in technology. Because I believe once they did that, they could never go back. They kind of had that in their mind, and they thought differently about new problems and challenges. So really what I learned is that the new divide is all about perception. Quick question, how many people here have an iPhone? How many people here have an Android? How many people here have a Blackberry or a Windows phone? Could you move over to the people with the iPhone and Androids? Because we're going to move a little fast, and you won't be to keep up with that device. <laughs> Don't hate me, hate the market share. Um, but I say that to say, we all have a perception of the world that's similar to this. We believe that any problem we need to solve, any piece of information that we need to gather, we can go on our phones and we can gather it. There's an app for it, there's a service for it, or if not, we're lean entrepreneurs, we can build it. But in the underrepresented audiences, their perception looks a lot like this. They're daily focused on their survival, on really what's going to get them from one day to the next. And when that happens, opportunities can be to the left or right of them, and they never see them. So what I did was I set out, based on that initial data that I received, to solve the hypothesis of how do I change this perception problem. Why are these kids successful? These are five kids from Fast Company, all created apps. They're ages 13 to 18. They made $50,000 a year. Why are these kids more successful than these kids? when I actually believe that they're actually the same people with different levels of perception of opportunity in front of them. We've all written things on a napkin. Imagine a demographic of people who write things on a napkin and can't go anywhere with them. They don't know the tools to create and turn them into reality. I've met people in this process that don't know how to print on a computer, full-on adults. How do we achieve digital inclusion? How do we level the playing field? So I wanted to do that by figuring out how do I remove the environmental boundaries and restraints from the audiences I was talking to to get them into this ecosystem. So I built a second MVP. And I called that MVP Project Chicago. So I went into Chicago. I picked Chicago because of the, some of the demographic challenges they were having in the education system and the high level of unemployment. I found a company that was based here called Dev Bootcamp who was opening up an office in Chicago, and I said, hey, if I go take you into the south side of Chicago, help you educate that audience on your, your opportunity, we'll work together to get some of that audience into your class. 
We had 800 people show up. We had 86 people who applied to be in the program. And the first three people are starting in that program in January, a very small subsection. Now, the importance of this is you go back to the perception problem. It was a 10-minute drive from Dev Boot Camp's office that had been open for three months. In the church, we did this in the south side of Chicago. 800 people in the church had never heard of Dev Boot Camp. 90% of the people in the church had been unemployed for two years or more. 60% of the people in the church had college degrees and were looking for a new career opportunity. So what this MVP is set to prove is that if you take a certain demographic and you give them the same level of perception of opportunity that we all have, that we can increase our workforce, we can increase quality of life, and we can close the digital divide. All of our products start with a problem. The problem I'm looking to solve and continue to solve is to bring in a demographic audience to create new ideas, to solve problems that we can't solve because they're coming from different backgrounds. Using analytical data, using processes that we all know and we live by to solve this problem in an incremental basis, city by city, until we change the ratio. These are the three people that were actually picked. Great cross-section. One's a Chicago policewoman who was shot on the job. Another one's a recent college grad who couldn't find work. The last guy has a computer science degree and he's working as an assistant manager at a GameStop. In nine weeks from now, they'll all be Ruby developers, and Dev Bootcamp has a 90% completion rate in terms of job applications, so they'll be making $80,000 a year. Why is that important? It's important because they will create what I call a visual representation of success. We all have perception based on visual representations of success. We're about to hear from Mark Andreessen, who's a visual representation of success in this environment. What I'm striving to do is create those examples in these demographic groups so that they have different visual representations. Because it's one thing for you and I to go in that audience and say, hey, you should do X or Y. It's another thing for someone who lived two blocks from you to 10 weeks from now be a Ruby developer and make 80 grand a year. So the goal is to close the divide by using these incremental experiments to build perception and awareness across the country. My goal is to continue to, to, to spread those analytics, to change the perception in those audiences of what the opportunities are here. And more importantly, is to actually change your perception as well. Because let's face it, if we ask ourselves the hard question, there's a lot of us who feel there aren't any great pieces of talent in that audience. I'm gonna give you two examples. I'm part of a program in Philly called Urban Apps and Maps, where they take inner city kids and they teach them about maps and environments and teach them how to build apps. One group came up with a product called Gotcha. It was basically using cell phones to create a network of surveillance within the mall that if a shoplifter went in one mall, you take a picture with your phone and that photo immediately spread across the rest of the network so that every store in the shopping center knew about that proposed shoplifter. Now you guys all know from reading the, the billion-dollar industry, the shrinkages in retail. That's a great example of people who thought about this every day because, quite frankly, they knew some of the people who were shoplifting. They knew the tips and tricks that they were using to get them, so they came up with something to solve that problem. But still, they were married with the technologies and tools to turn that napkin idea into a business. It would have never happened. So when my goal and what I strive to continue to do is take all the experience that we have, that we utilize every day, and introduce it to pockets and environments of people so that they have those same skills, those same opportunity to do the things that we do every day. 
I wanted to open it up if anybody had any particular questions. Yes, sir. I think there's mics somewhere. Uh, Charleston Bell, president of Bound Innovations. So maybe one day I will become a unicorn like you. Um, but uh, my question is, what are some things that we can do in the audience to kind of help push along your goal to shrink that digital divide? What, what are some steps that we can take to help you on your mission? You know, I, I think at the end of the day, it, it's really about, in all of our individual environments, run these experience, experiments. Find somebody who would be an unlikely addition to your team and give them a simple internship. Let them solve problems. Hear some of the issues and, and challenges that they have, of problems that they think that they want to solve, and introduce them to the tools. I was sitting in the back and read an update. I don't know if you guys saw this story in the Today Show, where a homeless guy was taught by somebody how to code an hour a day over nine weeks. He was going to give the homeless guy $100. He said, or I'll teach you how to code. He found him a Chromebook, a used Chromebook for $150. The homeless guy just released his app on the App Store yesterday. Now, the premise in that is, how many of us have walked past a homeless person and said, hey, would you like to join my engineering team today? Not many, right? Let's be honest. Because our perception of that person is based on our limited knowledge of where they come from. So the larger answer to your question is, widen our perception, right? Because at the end of the day, we all know that everyone has the opportunity to create unique ideas, and we didn't have those opportunities until we were introduced to this, right? We didn't know Lean until Eric wrote the book, right? We didn't know it was Lean. We just all thought we had ADD and we asked a lot of questions. But now we know it's the Lean startup methodology. Because we have that perception. I'm saying let's widen that to an audience that otherwise you wouldn't think to have that. I'm telling you to see invaluable results. Yes, ma'am. Hi. So when I was listening to your talk, the question I have to set it up is, you know, we look at Twitter and the user statistics, disproportionately it's black and Latina college-educated women. So when you're talking about digital literacy, a lot of your examples seem to also be conflating with socioeconomic status and lack of access to a lot of things. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on kind of the role of socioeconomics is playing in some of this digital divide that you're referencing and kind of what we can do about that. Sure. I, I think, you know, when I, when I throw the slide up um, about environmental constraints, we have to understand that this is generational, right? We've been talking about the digital divide since the Clinton era. So the people who were digitally divided during the Clinton era actually had kids, but they never told them about technology, so though they're disconnected too. So the social economic piece has an impact because I may have a kid who has the next great Facebook idea, but they're surrounded in an environment where no one's telling them that that's valuable. No one's saying that technology actually adds value, right? Yeah, you can text somebody, you can connect to them, but no one's showing them the creation aspects because they see very few people like me, right? Because there's not enough of us in the space. We're here, you're right, you know, college, but there's also a sub-demographic of people who use Twitter who aren't college educated who don't even know what it meant to create Twitter, right? There's people who use Facebook who don't even know that Mark Zuckerberg did it in a college dorm room using free software, who's worth more than Puffy, Jay-Z, and Russell, and all of them put together, right? Those are the things that we have to do and bridge. We gotta understand this generational, understand that it's their environment. Like those three people, we're gonna take them out of the South Side of Chicago, they're gonna get in a class with other people who are like-minded in the sense of wanting to do better, and they're gonna go back and take that and be visual examples of success, and all of us here can already be visual examples of success in any environment we're in. One more question before we go. Thank you guys very much. <laughs>